Welcome to the Chamber Voice of Business podcast. I'm Steve Cox, the Rogers Lowell Area Chamber of Commerce, and joining me is John Moran, and we are doing the introduction for a special podcast. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about what happened uh, February 11th at NWAC. Well, one thing we did, we, we hosted uh, some candidate forums for our local legislative candidates in District 94, which is being vacated by Representative Rebecca Petty. She's not running for re-election. So Adrian, or John Carr and Adrian Woods um, are the ones that are uh, candidates running to replace her. So the first part of the program is going to be uh, their uh, part of the forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was a good night. Uh, had a lot of good questions. Kyle Kellams with KUA. F was okay. the moderator, and uh, so uh, take a listen to the program, and uh, and early voting starts uh, this week and runs till March third. So and the primary is um, the primary is on March third. March third, okay. And so uh, early voting runs until right before the primary. So I encourage you to go vote. All right. Well, we appreciate it, and the volume or the the audio is going to be a little bit different than normal because we weren't able to use our standard equipment to get this recording. So I just wanted to give our listeners a heads up on that ahead of time. But uh, again, as John said, early voting is open now. The primary is March 3rd. So make sure that you get out and you vote. Uh, No matter what district you live in or if if you are one of if you are in District 94 or any district whatsoever, we encourage you guys to get out there and vote because your voice matters. So here is the February 11th candidate forum at Northwest Arkansas Community College for Arkansas State House District number 94. Our moderator tonight is Roby Brock with Talk Business and Politics and I'm going to turn the mic over to him and let him get started and we're going to start with District 94. So um, thank you all for coming. Y'all hold your applause for me. I appreciate it. Very nice. I <laughs> <laughs> all the time everywhere I go. I get all kinds of applause. So uh, we're going to have some fun tonight, and we're going to learn something, I hope, uh, with all of our folks here. And I know from uh, from the previous drawing a little bit earlier today, we've selected the order that we're going to go in. The, the three people running for the District 90 seat are going to have to suffer through a near hour of the District 94 people asking or answering questions, and then we're going to turn the tables and force them to wait another hour and seven weeks to do. So, it's all about pain. <laughs> the game, I promise you. All right. So, uh, by order of drawing, uh, our first race, uh, House District 94, the two Republicans running are uh, Adrian Woods and John Carr, and John gets to go first with his opening statement. So, John, you have three minutes. Okay. So, um, I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. I want to thank the Chamber. It's a great opportunity to kind of hear from the candidates and kind of hear different perspectives and different ideas and different philosophies. Uh, One of the things I've always felt about running is I've always felt that it should be a calling, something that uh, somebody should have it in their heart to serve in the community. You know, for a very long time, people have asked me to run for office. And I've always told them that I would run, you know, when the time was right. And this time in my life has come, that crossroads has happened. And so... I'm very excited to be running for the privilege and opportunity to serve the fine residents of District 94. In this race, I am the candidate that's endorsed by the current state representative, Rebecca Petty. Rebecca has done a great job connecting with the citizens in our community. She's somebody that cares about the people, cares about the individuals. And that's something I want to continue on as the state representative for District 94, continuing to talk to people individually, learn their situations, understand what we can do, some things we can do in the district. 
as I've been out there in the neighborhoods in the community, I've been finding people that I can talk to about different subjects, such as health care, uh, such as retirement systems, criminal justice, I've been finding different people in different areas. Because one of the things that I believe as a legislator, it's very tough to know everything about everything. Therefore, you want to put good people around you that know that you can um, go to and you can talk to. Um, one of the things that I have also is I have a business and a technology background with over 20 years professional experience. One of the things that I want to bring to Little Rock is be able to optimize our government and optimize uh, processes and efficiency. So therefore we can bring down some taxes and we can uh, shrink the size of government, make it run more efficient. So I'm really excited to be able to leverage my business experience, my business perspective in, this, uh, in the race and in the, uh, in the legislature. Again, I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. It's an honor to be sitting up here in front of you, and I look forward to a good conversation tonight. All right. I have one question to follow up with you, John, uh, on the, we'll just do a little bit more on background. I have one for you too, basically. Okay. It won't be the same. <laughs> um, I noticed in your bio that uh, it says on your website that your hobbies include vintage video games and computers, uh -huh. such as the Atari 2600. So my question to you is, Pac-Man, Frogger or Space Invaders, which was the greatest game that ever invented? Oh gosh, that is a tough question, Roby. <laughs> Starting off hard tonight. Well, I have to admit, I did like uh, do like Space Invaders, so that's been a very fun one, and I could roll the game over a few times. Thank you, sir. Thank you all so much for coming out here tonight. I know that I um, probably speak for all of us when I say we are very grateful for your time and we will do our best to honor it tonight. Uh, my name is Adrienne Woods and I grew up here in Northwest Arkansas. I've lived here for 28 years um, and I've lived in District 94 for 11 years. In fact, I was just thinking about it. We closed on our house 11 years ago today. Um, so that's when I moved to District 94. By way of my background, I graduated from Arkansas Tech University and then I went to law school at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. And upon graduation, I had the esteemed privilege to work for two private law firms here in the area. The Asa Hutchinson Law Group, where I practiced military criminal defense. And then I moved over to the law firm of Mitchell Williams, where I basically did, had developed a specialty in government bribery cases. The Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is probably the one that you're most familiar with. Sorry, I'm getting, you can't hear me? <clears throat> is that better? Government bribery, is that better? There we go. Um, government bribery cases, fraud, embezzlement, and theft, and then when I wasn't traveling the globe investigating those for companies, I also did some medical malpractice defense as well as education law. After I had developed a niche practice in that, I was able to go over to a local company by the name of Walmart. They invited me to be a director in their ethics office, and there I oversaw basically all of the worldwide ethics allegations that came into the company. So I was hired internally to do what I had been hired externally to do. After I was there for 15 months, my husband and I were blessed to have a set of twins, and so I went back to work, and after 15 months, we decided to try my hand at staying at home, which I did until November of 2018, when my friend and business partner convinced me to buy a small local business in Bentonville, and so we've been doing that for the last 14 months. The most common question that I've gotten is basically, why are you running and what sets you apart? I have always wanted to run for the House Legislature. I believe that the state is where the policies and regulations and laws that affect us personally are implemented. And I think we need people with a diverse background to be able to go to the state and advocate to ensure that everyone is fairly represented. 
I think the thing that sets me apart is that I have both a corporate background and I also have a small business background. I can look at a situation and know the intricacies and the hardships that both are going to face. And I can see an issue and I can tell you exactly how it's going to affect in both of those mediums. I also have a legal background which forces you to develop a skill set to be able to look at two sides of an issue as well as be able to communicate with people that not only think differently but ultimately believe differently than you do. I represent District 94 because I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm an attorney, I'm a business professional, I'm an entrepreneur, and I have a, a heart to serve this district that has been so influential in basically bringing me up. All right, thank you. Right now, your small business is uh, free ride. Yes, sir. Right, which is indoor cycling. Indoor cycling. There's a big debate among indoor cycling enthusiasts that you should be traditional and exercise the safety rules of the mm -hmm. road and ride a bike indoors for exercise like you would outdoors. Yes. And then there is another school of thought. School of thought that mm -hmm. would say you should be able to do push ups on the handlebars, mm -hmm. you should have music blaring, you should be a party biker. Sure. I need to know which camp you fall Rhythm. Traditionalist or party Rhythm based bike? cycling. Black lights, push ups on bars, all of it. All of it's it. a party on a bike is what we call it. <laughs> okay. Very good. Oh, and by the way, I would say Pac-Man is the best one. <laughs> I thought you would say Ms. Pac-Man. No, 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 Pac-Man. Um, all right, so the first question is going to go to Adrian tonight. Um, and I want to uh, talk about one of the things that is on your website is you talk about getting spending under control. Mm -hmm. What do you think needs to be got, gotten under control? Where do you see spending out of control at the state level? So I think there's a lot of waste at this point that we can kind of talk about. So one of the things that um, I have noticed just over the course of time is that government has this tend to use it or lose it mentality. And what I mean by that is you have these departments who are basically given a set budget every year, and if they don't use it, then their budget will be reduced the next year, and I think we have to get that under control. We can't have perfectly good pieces of machinery being broken just so that they can spend the money to go buy a new one so that they don't lose that money in the following year. So I think that we have that avenue. I think we also have, with a lot of the infrastructure that's going on in our area, we're setting up barriers on the highway that cost us millions of dollars only to take them down a year later. And I do understand that there are safety concerns along with that, but I also think that there's better ways to utilize that money. John, same question to you. What do you see from your vantage point of things that might be under, you talked about more government efficiency, so maybe right. put it in that vein for me. Right, so one of the things kind of coming from a, a business standpoint and with my business experience, I've worked on different processes within enterprises where there's unnecessary duplicate paperwork, for example, duplicate processes, you're able to take and get you know, streamlined uh, situations. Like an example, we had, uh, when I was working professionally, we had a situation with hardware, computer hardware, it was redundant. We were able to pull some of that hardware out and move it around. I think there's, there's a lot of situations within the government where we can do the same types of things. question uh, to you, John. Let's start first. Uh, let's talk about pro-life issues okay. here. You uh, say that you're pro-life uh, on your website. Define to me what that means. Does that mean that, what, what does that mean in terms of the legislation that you Right, so that's a great question, Roby. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yes, you're absolutely right. I am completely pro-life. I'm very strong believer that life does begin at conception and that uh, basically that we should protect life at all costs. It's something that I would support the, that type of legislation uh, with uh, no exception abortion. And I'm a very, very strong advocate for that. All right, Adrian, where, where do you stand on pro-life issues? Are you as pro-life as John is, or are you more pro-life? 
<laughs> so I would say that I have a unique perspective on this. So I talked about having a set of twins. And we actually conceived our twins through a process called in vitro fertilization. And what that means is, is that they take my parts and they take my husband's parts and they had to put them in a dish and then they put them back inside of me. But the benefit of that is that I was able to see my children at five days old. And I was able to see their cells and I was able to see what they would consider to be a heartbeat at five days old. Many people don't get that honor or that privilege to see that. And so when it comes to me in terms of being pro-life, it's very hard to argue with me that life doesn't begin absolutely at conception. And so we need to protect that. All right. I'd like to do just a follow-up with the two of them, too. So I can just give them both 45 seconds on this one. I don't see any difference between the two of you on these pro-life issues. Is there anything that distinguishes you all from each other? Why would one of you be more stronger on pro-life issues than the other, John? Okay. And that's a great question. I've... Uh, have a long relationship with people at Arkansas Right to Life. So I know a lot of relationships, a lot of people, and that would be very, very effective in running legislation to help protect life. I would say that my follow-up to that is, is there's just certain things that you can't know without having gone through the process. I'm also a female, so I also understand reproductive rights and kind of the, the whole argument that goes into that. And I know that down in the legislature that people are very passionate about this issue. And you have to be willing to work with people. And I think the fact that I understand that issue intimately will help me in Little Rock. Let's talk about another uh, issue, Nadir, and you'll get to go first on this one. Yes. Um, got my order right here. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Second Amendment, which comes up at the state capitol quite frequently uh, in terms of uh, gun rights, gun restriction, and gun liberty uh, as well. There was a bill a few years ago that was a bit controversial, uh, sponsored by a legislator from up here in Northwest Arkansas, not in the legislature anymore, uh, for guns on college campuses. Would you support rolling back that particular piece of legislation? I would not. So I have gone to a state public, I have gone to a university that was state funded, and I believe that you know, I'm kind of a strict constitutionalist, and you are given the right to carry and bear arms. And I also conceal and carry, and I was fortunate enough this week to receive the A rating from the NRA. And I think that that just speaks to my background on that. I do think that we have to put mechanisms in place to ensure that people are afforded their rights. And I think that we have a lot of people trying to take that away from us. And so I would say that the more we are able to educate and equip law-abiding citizens and with their constitutional rights, that we should. All right, John, question. Okay. Absolutely not. In fact, I would I believe that people should have the right to carry if they want to carry. We have the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution for a reason, the right to bear arms and the right to defend oneself. And that's something that I would actually support even farther. Um, I do believe I'm a life member of the National Rifle Association because of the fact I'm so passionate about this issue. I believe people should be able to carry. I know that uh, one thing we probably do need to do is have some training programs, things like that on campus for, uh, for that situation. But Yes, they, teachers should be allowed to carry as well. All right. Uh, John, you're first up on this question here. Let's talk about lower taxes. The state legislature has been lowering taxes for about the last uh, three legislative sessions, if my math is correct on that. We've seen lower taxes for lower income individuals, for middle income individuals, and for those at the top of the, uh, the tax right there. What taxes do you advocate lowering So that's a great question, Roby. One of the things that I've seen is, yes, we have cut the top income tax. Ultimately, it's going to go down to 5.9% over the next couple of years. I would like to see that continue. Um, I do. I, know, I think the governor mentioned we're getting it down to 5%, which I would agree with that. I think we've got some room there. Uh, look at a little bit of sales tax, see what we can do there. 
But again, that taxes, the only way you're going to decrease taxes, you've got to also cut spending as well. So again, looking for those efficiencies in government. And let me do a follow-up with them, and I'll do a follow-up with you too, Aiden. Okay. Do you think that there is enough efficiency to be gained to cut taxes by hundreds of millions of dollars? There is a lot of, uh, a lot of efficiency there, because our budget's about $5.75 billion, I believe is what we had just cut, just passed. So I think there's two, twofold. I think we have to reduce the personal income tax for people. We have one of the highest in the state, and I think that we can reduce that, basically what I talked about earlier in, in terms of waste. I think there's a lot to be gained there. I also think because I'm a small business owner, I'm deeply affected by taxes and everything that goes into owning a small business. And I told my husband one time, I said, I just don't understand how small businesses work. How do you make a small business work when you're constantly being taxed on every little turn? You've got sales tax here. You've got payroll taxes here. So I think in order to um, increase in our state, we have to in reduce the income tax as well as small business taxes. All right. I'd like to take another 15 or 45 seconds with Adrian. Give me some specific small business taxes that you've encountered that you think, if I get down there, I'm potentially running a bill. I'm not going to say that I'm going to run a bill on this because I think that that's probably premature to say something about but for example we have sales tax issues so I'm buying merchandise that I'm now paying sales tax on I went today actually took those same sweatshirts that I had paid sales tax on I took them to a vendor who is going to do some monogramming I then paid sales tax on that I have recently become aware that I can apply but it's not automatic to have a sales tax reduction on those but I'm now being double taxed at both ends for something like that so I think that just there needs to be some clarity or ways to make that um, easier for small businesses to attain all right, Adrian, you're first on this one. Let's talk about education, public education mm -hmm. in Arkansas. Uh, it is the biggest budget item yes, uh, in the state budget. As uh, John mentioned, it's almost $6 billion uh, in terms of the state's budget, uh, and a big majority of that is spent on public education. Do we need more money for public education, or do we need more money for pupil for education? What, what is the solution to making our schools better statewide? Is it money, or is it something I, as you suggested, and I think it's 70 cents, something like that, of every dollar goes to our education system. And so I think the bigger issue that we have to face is, is probably how to make it how we recruit and keep teachers in our area and keep them doing what they want to do. For example, I was talking to a friend of mine today, and she said, you know, it's very difficult from a pre-education standpoint. She said it's $176 currently to send my kid to a public pre pre-kindergarten education program and it's $190 for her to go to daycare. She goes, if the state could figure out how to give teachers a grant, maybe make it based on how long that they have been a teacher in the system to where they could reduce that by $100 a week, that would be incredible. The thing is, we have teachers who can't afford, they are stepping out of teaching and they're really good, well-educated, intelligent people, but they can't afford to teach and raise their family. And so I think we have to develop incentives to keep teachers here in the area. That's not, it's also for recruiting as well as for retainment. So teachers is definitely uh, is part of it, uh, part of making sure they're equipped. Part of it also is the family as well. More family involvement in the evening time, um, helping, helping students do their homework with their parents. I think that's a lot of it really is the family unit, traditional family values can help increase the efficiency uh, and effectiveness of education. Remember as a child myself, my, you know, my parents would make sure I did my homework and 
you know, they'd uh, work it with me on it and make sure I understood the concepts. So I think the parents have a role as well. So let me follow up on education um, and we'll keep it in this same circle. I'm going to come back to you, Adrian. I'm a single parent, I'm a single mom. I'm in the Delta. I know I'm working two, maybe three jobs to make the ends meet. I don't have time, as John said, to sit down and do homework with my child uh, every night. I don't have great choices in terms of the public schools uh, that I can send my kids to. They're not as good as the public schools up here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, how, as a legislator that has to look at the whole state, I mean, you represent your constituents, but how do you address critical needs like that in areas of the state where uh, it's different than what you're experiencing? And I was, I'm glad you brought that point up because that was a point I would touch on. I grew up in a family, same way. They were very involved in my education, whereas not everybody is afforded that same opportunity. And we have to be mindful of that in developing our programs. I think we have to have better after-school activities for those children that are also educationally based. Um, to follow up kind of how do we how do we help that mom in the Delta I think a lot of that also comes back to you know what are we what what resources are we equipping her with so that when that kid goes home he's not only being educated from a curriculum standpoint but he's also does he have enough food do they have clean clothes all of that actually goes into education for our children in Arkansas mm -hmm. uh, I'll ask you the same question how do you have a larger perspective than just your district what needs to happen for the type of scenario that Oh, absolutely, and that's one thing about being a legislator is you do, you have your district, but you also have to look at the state in aggregate. So one of the things for, like for education, for example, is uh, finding ways to get the community involved in the Delta to help the mom. I know that there are programs down there where, you know, some after school programs in that area where kids do get involved, where kids work with each other, where parents have a place to take their kids, encourage and foster things like that, community involvement. Pretty good with you. <laughs> <laughs> even though I'm kind of throwing a little curveball here. In there. Uh, John, there is going to be a ballot issue this November that deals with uh, raising uh, the sales tax permanently to a half cent. It's already on the books right now. In 2022, it ends. Uh, and so there's going to be a push. The governor supporting it for a half cent sales tax to be made permanent for roads and highways. Do you support that tax? Will you be voting for it? So, well, I know that one of the things that will be on the ballot in November and every citizen just like i'm going to be on voting you know voting in that election in november i'm literally one of a million votes that's going to be deciding that issue so ultimately it's the voters that are going to decide myself i'm not a big fan of that uh, i do think there's other ways we can get gain efficiencies and i'd really like to look at that but ultimately it's going to be up to the voters anyway in november so yes or no will you vote for that road tax or not no okay um same same question being yes. that um, supporting the road tax at this point I support what the Arkansas voters are going to do and here's the thing what it comes down to at the end of the day is that it's not just Northwest Arkansas it's not just district 94 voting on it it's also that mom in the Delta and do I want to raise more tax do I want to pay more taxes permanently I know you said raise it's just basically staying the same do I want to pay taxes forever? Absolutely not. Do I also want my potholes filled? Yes, absolutely. And I know that there are roads in South Arkansas that they don't have shoulders. It's all gravel roads. And so we have to be mindful of that and make sure that when we go to Little Rock that we can either help fund if it doesn't pass and figure out ways for that to come in or, you know, make sure that we use it wisely going forward. So would you vote for that tax this November? Would you be voting for it? Can I answer? I thought I was out of time. No, I can do it. Okay. Time. You're giving me more time. Okay. No. Uh, let's talk about um, let's 
talk about whether or not you guys both have a Democrat running in this race. So the winner of this primary will be running against someone this fall. Um, Adrian, you get to answer this question first. Do you pledge to support the Republican nominee, uh, whoever it is, whether it's you or whether it's John? So John and I actually talked about this the week that we both filed. And at the end of the day, you know, the cause is we want to send conservatives to, to Little Rock. And so, yes, we, I mean, I, don't, I won't speak for him, but yes, we have, <laughs> we have kind of agreed that, you know, what's most important is advancing the cause of conservatism here in Arkansas. All right, John, I'll let you answer that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> 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 So my answer basically is the same, that yes, I will support the Republican nominee for uh, House District 94, and that I'll help that person. Okay. All right, who's first now, John? John. John? All right. Uh, in education, years ago, I watched two boys of a single mom. I watched them because the mom couldn't afford after-school care. How would you deal with that to help the unfortunate? That's yeah, a good question. So. There's a lot of different things that we could uh, we could look at. Uh, again, I kind of go back to community involvement, trying to get uh, get people involved with each other. There's churches that can uh, get involved to help watch children, and really, ultimately, the way you're successful is by building a community. That's what I would do. Um, I think it was Miss Slinker that gave that question. So I would say I have a friend that's in a very similar situation right now and she's like there's almost absolutely no affordable after school care even if you can get into the after school care that is available. And so one of the solutions I think we need to come up with is creating grants for after school programs to develop that are also educationally sound as well as safe for our kids to be at. So I would say going to Little Rock trying to help that mom would be advocating for grants for nonprofits that want to open up after school programs. Uh, we have seen a reduction in the number of foster kids in Arkansas. This has been a big effort that the governor has undertaken to try to find homes mm -hmm. for kids that are uh, without homes. What, what is your policy or what would you advocate, uh, Adrian, in terms of uh, working harder? We still have a problem. Mm -hmm. It's still an issue for a lot of families uh, and a lot of kids in the foster system. What would you, what would you advocate for uh, in order to, to uh, try to eradicate that problem? To eradicate kids in the foster care system, yeah, make sure. Bring it down closer to zero. So I think that this goes back to the pro-life issue. I mean, pro-life is more than just whether or not a woman should be entitled to have an abortion or not. It goes into the kids in the foster care system and the kids that need to be adopted. And I would say to eradicate that, we need to do better at educating people about how to be a foster parent. We need to do better at equipping them with resources to be able to be a foster parent. I know there is a nonprofit in the area by the name of the Deb Project, and that's what they exist to do. You may get a kid at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, and the only thing they have is the clothes on their back. That next morning, that mom is enabled, or that foster parent is enabled to go to that store get seven shirts, seven pants, seven pairs of underwear, seven socks, and food that they may need to take care of this child. And so I think we have to develop resources to be able to equip more nonprofits to do that, as well as educate the people in our area to, to know that resources like that exist for them. So one of the things I can speak from uh, personally, I have a friend, a couple friend that have been trying to adopt for a very long time. And so they had to go through a lot of obstacles and a lot of hoops to be able to do so. I think we need to look at the processes by which the adoption process is, is, is done because there's a lot of very loving families out there that would love to adopt. But it's just so hard. It's expensive and there's a lot of loophole. There's a lot of things they have to jump through, a lot of hoops. So I think we need to look at that. 
budget issue as well as a human issue uh, in state government. Uh, for years, we have had the private option, which was uh, later transformed into Arkansas Works by Governor Asa Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. Basically captures a lower income group of people to provide health insurance for them. It is going to come up for a vote every single year uh, in the state legislature. <laughs> and so, John, I will come to you first. Would do you support the Arkansas Works Medicaid expansion program, and would you vote for it if you're elected? Well, one thing I could speak on the program in general, it was very controversial when it went in, in the first place. And it still is controversial right now. I know we can't look at where we've been, we have to look at where we're going. I know that one of the things also from what I understand about it is that the federal funding is going to diminish over time. So that's something we've got to be really careful about. And looking at that, we will want to have some other options, some other things. I know we've got a work requirement as well that we need to implement. We need to look to empower people more. So as probably an interesting tidbit, I've actually read the entire law that is Obamacare from cover to cover when I was in law school when it came out and I had a project assigned to it. Well, I probably was being paid from an internship, but for example, but I have been able to read it. And so to, to my opponent's point, you know, federal funding does diminish over time. We do have the Arkansas Works Program. I have absolutely no problem advocating that there should be a work requirement in that you need to be proving that you're at least out seeking a job or you are at least working. I understand we have to take care of our Kansans in this state. I really do. But I also want to make sure that we are we are advocating for those that currently have jobs and are being taxed and having to pay for these, these programs. And a hot quiz for both of you. Um, the second largest county in the state of Arkansas with the Medicaid expansion population is Benton County. Number two, mm -hmm. Pulaski County. I think everybody would not have known that. Uh, let's talk about uh, broadband. Adrian, you get to go first on this. Okay. This has been a, a big push in the last few legislative sessions. The governor earmarked some money. I could tell you it's not enough to make a big dent in rural broadband in Arkansas, but that is a big issue. Three bars, four bars up here in the land of milk and honey, but over <laughs> in some parts of the state, there's no bars. Right. Uh, what uh, what would you support doing in terms of to, uh, supporting broadband expansion across the state? It's going to cost money. I know that you guys want to be more efficient with tax mm -hmm. dollars, but that's not going to come up with enough to do this. So what would you advocate for funding for broadband expansion? So I think it kind of, it, this I feel like ties into education because as education continues on, we're going to start using more and more Wi-Fi and broadband to be able to educate our children. And so I think that also ties into infrastructure. And so we're going to have to come up as a state with ways, and I think we can do that through a surplus and through reducing waste with the excess money that we have to be able to support broadband expansion in other parts of the state. And the land doesn't have milk and honey in it all of the time. Um, I know that children are going to be able to, they're going to be able to need to read earlier and earlier, and they're gonna need to have access to be able to do that. So I would say we could probably fund something like that through the, through the waste that we're getting rid of and the surplus that we have. So one of the things we definitely do need to expand our internet access throughout the state, because not only does it affect education, but it affects commerce as well. And so one of the things that people are able to do more and more is remote work. And to kind of support some of the smaller communities, we need the better internet access to be able to do that. And that's something that uh, we're going to have to look at some ways to do that. What are some of the types of uh, internet access we can use? Uh, John, I'll come to you on this on Higher education funding in Arkansas has been generally flat for the last several years, and maybe as long as a decade. Um, I'm sure there's probably some NWAC folks in this room that can tell me even more specifically uh, what it is done out of their budget. Um, should there be more money invested in higher education? So 
So this kind of goes back to what we've been talking about earlier. I think that we can look for some uh, efficiencies because from what I understand, it's about, about $3 billion or so in education. It's about, 50, about 60 percent of the overall state budget. I think some of the things we can do is we're spending about $10,000 per pupil. We just need to look at what we're doing in education, look at some of the administrative overhead we've got. Are there some things we can streamline within the schools? Absolutely, and I think coding is one of them that we need to focus on. One of the initiatives of Governor Hutchinson during his first years was increasing coding, and I think we have to do we have to fund coding because that will enable people to have technology jobs, which are the jobs that we have now and the jobs that we're going to have in the future. And I think if we're going to put Northwest Arkansas even more on a global scale, we've got to invest in those programs that equip people for technology jobs so that we can get businesses that want to come here and then ultimately increase our revenue over the over the term. All right, let's take a uh, community question here. Our community here in Northwest Arkansas is changing demographically. What is your opinion of our diversity? Is it a strength or a weakness and why? Diversity, I believe, is always a strength. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons that I am a better candidate for District 94 is because I am the candidate that represents kind of what's moving into our area. We have 40 people a day moving into Northwest Arkansas. It's not just District 94, but kind of Northwest Arkansas collectively. Um, between the ages of 24 and 39, that's sort of the demographic that I fall into. I'm also a female, but I have been afforded a mass amount of opportunities that I probably would not have been afforded in any other part of the state. And so I absolutely think it's a strength. I think I have stuff to offer. I think other people, women and and minorities of just any type offer stuff, and so we're only better because of it. John, is our diversity a strength or a weakness, and why? Um, I would say it's, it's a strength because different people have different backgrounds and different experiences. And together, we can all leverage those backgrounds and those experiences to build a great community. And I think, you know, in terms of different cultures, in terms of ideas, just in terms of, uh, you know, just different food types, for example, just an example. We, we learn from each other, we influence each other, and I think it's a good strength. Uh, John, I'll come to you on this question. Let's talk about prisons um, okay. and corrections. This is going to be uh, another big area of the budget that you'll get to deal yeah. with. Um, the three biggies are prisons, Medicaid, and education. So that makes up a big chunk yeah. of the uh, percentage of the budget there on an annual basis. Uh, what, what can we do to reduce the prison population do you, and do you support um, outsourcing prisons to private contractors? Well, I will say that I think one of the things that uh, will help reduce people in prison is basic morality and kind of going really to the center of the community. A lot of it is by working with people to prevent crimes from happening in the first place, uh, encourage people, love on people in the community so people don't have a need to, to commit crimes. I think the churches have a good place to be involved in that, to kind of step up and take that role, because if you have fewer people committing crimes, then you have fewer need to have people in, in the prisons. So I do have a legal background, so I'm probably a little more passionate about this issue um, than, than a normal person would be. But if, I believe that get less government involvement is always better, and so I do support the idea of privatizing at a certain level, but I also think that we need to have other options other than prison. And what I mean by that is you see a large segment of young boys that are coming up through the systems that are going into jails because of infractions that they have they have committed. And so we see programs like Teen Challenge that need to rise up and we need to have them work with our court systems currently to try and get them, basically prevent them from actually going back into the system. Well, I know, I would have kept going, but it would have been more than 15 <laughs> seconds, so I'll just cut it there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, it's going to be another 60 or 65 seconds. So. You're good. You're good. 
Um, all right, here's another question from our audience here. How can we assist the multitude of professional retirees in Northwest Arkansas to get plugged into the school system as a resource for the educators? Using retired individuals to get plugged in. So we had something, when my twins were born, they were in the NICU, and we had something called a cuddler program, and that means that people were able to apply to come and hold your baby if you weren't able to be there. And so I think that we should have the same opportunity for retired teachers that we have in the area, but also people that have unique skill sets to come in and offer the skills and abilities that they had to teach our young people. Perhaps that's how we get them involved in an after-school care facility. We don't use them as babysitters, we use them as educators. That is a great idea, actually, because one thing about when people are retired, it's good to give them a purpose in the community. I think that's excellent. Uh, get involved with the youth. There's a lot of knowledge and experience that they can share with, with the younger people that can help them on a good moral foundation as they grow up, grow up and keep growing on. I think it's excellent because it also benefits. Whenever you give of your heart, there's something that come, inherently comes back. something that you know you would disagree with the governor on? <laughs> yeah, I think we've talked about it a little bit uh, tonight. Uh, one thing also, in, in general, when you get two individuals or you get a group of people, it's going to be impossible to agree on everything. I know that the governor is for the highway tax and it's something that I'm not a proponent for. Um, to, to choose something different other than obviously the highway tax, I think there's the issue of the refugees at this point. Um, I'm a big advocate that we have to help people, but I also understand that Arkansans and Americans come first. And so I would say that I've worked with Asa. I've had disagreements with him in his personal office. And so I would tell him that and just say, you know, we have to put the rights of Arkansans first. Be up on him in his office. So we called him Big Asa, and then he had his son, and we called him Little Asa. So when you, when you have that sort of a relationship with someone, you can just tell him how it is. All right. Uh, let's move to our closing statements. How much time do they have? Uh, two minutes. All right. And Adrian, you get to go first with your closing statement. Okay. Well, I, again, I just want to thank everybody for coming out here tonight, and I just kind of want to leave you with basically two things coming up for this election. We need an advocate that is going to continue basically the legacy that Representative Petty has left. We need um, someone who is going to be able to communicate effectively. I think that's essential in being able to be successful in this. I have both a business background in corporate and I also have that in small business. And so I can go down to Little Rock and effectively talk to people and speak both of the languages. I also have the legal background that's going to be necessary to read through documents, read through legislation, and work with people on the other side of the table who have very different ideas than I do. So I would just end this evening by saying thank you again for coming, and I humbly ask if you're a resident of District 94 for you to vote for Adrian Woods. Um, I want to thank you guys for all being here tonight and uh, staying engaged and uh, you know, being informed. The one thing uh, I definitely appreciate running for the seat, and uh, again, I'm the candidate that is endorsed by Rebecca Petty in the race. Um, I've worked with a lot of candidates for a very long time, including Rebecca herself to uh, help her get elected and she's grown tremendously during the during the time I've seen her how effective she's been the one thing I do have is I do have those long-term relationships with a lot of legislators already because I've worked with a lot of them over the years so it's something that um, I do strongly believe that a legislator should be very known in the community 
spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people one-on-one -on -one individually to understand their situation, understand what they're looking for. That's something that uh, I believe I can take to Little Rock. I'm very much about the grassroots and about the individuals. And that's something that um, I'm looking forward to, the, the privilege. And I would ask you, if you're in District 94, to vote for John Carr for state representative. All right. John and Adrian, thank you both very much. Uh, very well spoken. And I appreciate you answering all of our questions. Let's give them a round of applause.